Welcome, ladies and gents. We are back with our final episode. Oh, there we are. Hello, going deep. Sorry about that. Hang on. Deafening the ears of the masses today. Here we are. Hello, ladies and gents. We are back with our final uh, installment of going deep for the semester. Next week is finals, and I don't got to be here for finals. You don't? On Monday. Look at you, huh? Lucky duck. Wednesday, I think. Oh, I just on Monday. Yeah, just on Monday. Oh, yeah. But Wednesday, I do, and Tuesday. But regardless, this is probably our, our final week until we make something up next semester or in the coming weeks. Who knows? But today, we're going to talk about... Will we use the studio? Who knows? Who knows? I am Beth. How many time will tell? Daniel. Daniel. Daniel McMahon. <clears throat> Daniel McMahon. He's going deep. related to Vince McMahon. Yeah, brother. <laughs> It was me, Austin. <laughs> I actually saw uh, an Instagram like a week or two ago, and it was it was hilarious. It just sums up what I think of when I think of WWE. So, so it's like it was you know a bunch of clips cut together, and it was um, Stone Cold Steve Austin um, giving the Stone Cold Stunner to the entire McMahon family. Love that. That is classic <laughs> wrestling at its finest. That's the Attitude Era, brother. Hell yeah. Who said brother, by the way? Is that Hulk uh, Hogan? Yeah, it's Hulk Hogan. I don't even think he, was in, like he a, wasn't even in WWE, I think. I think it was like a... But that sounds like a Hulk Hogan like uh, saying, you know? Yeah. Stone Cold probably said it too. But you know who says woo? <gasps> woo! That'd be Ric Flair. The Nature Boy. <laughs> the Nature Boy. Yeah. Who is... I haven't listened to it because I really don't care about him, but he was on Joe Rogan like two weeks ago. That's a lot of people, man. What? On Joe Rogan. <laughs> he has a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sure. we're not here to talk about a podcast. We're here to talk about our podcast. We're trying to make one. Yes. And today's topics, well, for first 30 minutes of this is going to be about the international players that come into... It's, the it's really just a Puig story. Puig story, yeah. yeah. And at least how some of it mirrors other Cuban players and Mexican players yeah. and foreign players that are going into the MLB. This is, this is the standard route Cuban players take to get into the Major League Baseball. Yes, and then for the next half hour, I'm going to talk about the draft, what teams got better, what teams got worse. My state of the Raiders, I'm going to sound like Al Davis right now because he always had a state of the Raiders. like Just win, baby. Yep. Uh, I need a better like Brooklyn Jewish accent because that, that was like Al Davis's accent. Uh, just win, baby. There you go. I was like, I was, I don't know, kind of inspired by Larry David on that one. He's a go. So anyway, so and then after that, we'll talk about any updated NBA scores, uh, updated NHL scores, and again, last week or two weeks ago, we had our story about how. The, just because you have the best record in your league and in franchise history does not get, give you automatic wins as the Bruins fell to the Florida Panthers 4-3 to three in overtime. Game-tying goal with less than a minute left. Yep. It was crazy, man. Yes. I don't know jack about hockey, but, you know, playoff hockey's fun. I, it's, it seemed like the Bruins were a little gassed at the end of that game, but yeah. I don't know. I'll just say My this. opinion doesn't mean anything in this. Um... <laughs> We'll discuss it later. Let's continue with the international. Yeah, let's go with Puig here. All right, so. International Players Anthem. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Shout out to UGK. Yep. Um, okay, so we're going deep on Yasiel Puig, who the New York Post deemed the international man of mystery. There's a lot of questions about how he got here and who he is because he really didn't do that much media. He did open up to the fans a lot. He was a great man of the people. He was the Rookie of the Year runner-up to um, Myers from uh, from Tampa. So he took him about one year to escape Cuba. He was detained by the co- the U.S. Coast Guard and Cuban authorities about five times before he made it to the Yucatan Peninsula. In Cuba, he was making about seventeen bucks a month playing ball. In June 2022, he <clears throat> made that trip to to Mexico from. Matanzas, Cuba. He was with a with a boxer, a pinup girl, and a Santeria, Santeria priest. And the Santeria priest blessed their trip with rum and chicken blood. By the way, so 
here we go. So the reason why this path, Puig's path, was so unique, or I guess kind of unknown, it's kind of the dirty little secret for United States uh, baseball players, Cuban players coming to the United States. So you have to, if you want to be a professional ball player, uh, considered a, a professional ball player being as a free agent to go into the United States and play ball, you need to go to a third country if you're from Cuba. If not, you're just an amateur and you're signing an amateur deal. So this is where traffickers come into play. There were five five uh, human traffickers. Two of them were fug- fugitives, and their the name of their game was human cargo and cocaine. They they made it to. Oh, oh, so they were in the back pocket of the Los Zetas Mexican drug cartel. And so that was um, like the rite of passage. They were, they were charged for the rite of passage to make it to Isla Mijeres, M-I-J-E-R-E-S, which is right off the, uh, the Yucatan Peninsula. <clears throat> so the underwriter for this, meaning the guy who supposedly said he was going to fund the journey for Yasiel Puig, this guy named Raul Pacheco. So he owned two companies, AC Repair and Recycling, and he's had his whole slew of legal problems that we will get into a little bit later. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Puig, uh, uh, so Pacheco would pay the smugglers 250K for Puig to get into the United States, and in exchange, Puig would owe Pacheco 20% of all of his future earnings. Now, I know this sounds crazy and just like kind of like wow this is a one and done but this is uh-huh. most cuban players route to de- to major league baseball so pacheco didn't have the money and the price was increased every time you couldn't pay 15 to 20 20 000 bucks so <clears throat> they make it to so here's a li- here's a little bit of background on where Puig is from he's from el pito gomez population 3000 and they pump out baseball talent there's a beat-up field with uh, with recycled canvas bags that make up the, the bases. We literally lived adjacent to the outfield fence, so he would that was like kind of his backyard was uh-huh. his park that he played at. And Santa Maria is hella prominent in this area of Cuba. Maybe all of Cuba, but definitely in El Pito Gomez. So Cuba grooms athletes like Puig. So when you're a child and you're showing some promise, they have schools. They're, okay, they're funneled into these things called schools for sports initiation. E-I-D-E-S. EDIS, I think for short. Not too sure. Then once you get to high school, you go. Yes, this is the actual name of it. You go to High School of Athletic Profession. Pro, uh, perfection. High School of Athletic Perfection. Hmm. That sounds like some really weird double speak type of stuff. It does. So yeah, so we made the made the junior national team when he was 17 years old. The history of baseball in Cuba has a checkered past, right? So um, so in before 1959, the the Castro Revolution, Cuba was like MLB's farm system. So there were a lot of lot of guys that would go down there and play summer league, kind of like they do in the Dominican and Mexico right now. But um, that was in Cuba. So, for example, Tommy Lasorda played four seasons in Havana. And um, after that, Castro made it into an amateur league with 16 teams. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is Los Angeles Magazine, if you want to check out the article I got all this information from. This guy went uh, to, to all the locations to check out all the spots. So if you want to check them out and reference it, you can. So Puig is playing in this league. And he gets he's he's out for an entire season and he gets suspended for 25 games the next season because he shoplifts some sneakers. Not only does he shoplift sneakers, but he's also a party animal. This quote coming from um, <laughs> from a bartender from the area of which he, he played at. He was such a hodedor, J-O-D-E-D-O-R. AKA a screw around. Not in a bad sense, but like a joker, said Hernandez. Beer and girls, beer and girls, always a party. And the Cuba Cuba's National Baseball Commission finally explained Pug was in all caps, not educated and a bad example for the rest of the players. There was now <laughs> yeah. So now so yeah, so the Cuban government was like he didn't learn his lesson. He doesn't know he doesn't know anything. He's a party animal. But at the same time, this guy's a baller, right? Yeah. 
Okay, enter Pacheco. He's got nothing to lose at this point. So we have Raul Pacheco. He's going to give these guys all the money. <clears throat> yada, yada, yada. So then they, they finally make it to the Yucatan Peninsula. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Before that happens, so Puig is, is approached by a couple at Copelia. I said that in like an Italian because I don't really know how to speak Spanish, but Copelia, K-O-P-P-E-L-I-A, which is an ice cream, a really famous ice cream chain out in Cuba. And they were they were saying someone was willing to pay to get him out of Cuba to play in the States. There's like this, they had this like mythical idea of what's, what playing in the United States is like. Because I mean, like I said, the guy's getting paid $17 a month. Even if you're getting league minimum, you're living you're living large. Uh-huh. And there and there's images like in the in the article of his his little neighborhood in his town. You know, it's like dirt roads, um, horse drawn buggies. You know, we're talking like this guy's stoked to be driving a car, right? So uh, one of the one of the couple, so so they take him out to, to a car. He talks to somebody in the car for a little bit, uh, kind of leads them on, says says what he thinks they want to hear. Anyway, the guy's name is Miguel Angel Corbacho Daudino. D-A-U-D-I-N-O-T. You know how to pronounce that? You know how to speak Spanish. Yeah. Can you read this name for me? What is it? Miguel Angel Corbacho Daudinot. All right. Yeah, that guy. Daudinot. So anyway, so... Because there are there are informants and moles and all that sort of like secret police kind of stuff going on in Cuba, Puig thinks he's being set up right off the bat. So he reports this guy to the authorities, and the dude ends up serving seven years in a Cuban Cuban prison for quote special social dangerousness. Hmm. What in the heck? Imagine if you went to went to jail for special social dangerousness. That's like one of the vaguest things I've ever heard in my life. Hey, homie, what you in for? Uh, special social dangerousness. Huh? <laughs> allegedly. Ooh, ooh la la. Yeah, allegedly. allegedly. I, I, I'm innocent, man. They set me up. <laughs> and this is seven years for trying to get somebody to go play pro ball. Seven years, bro. That's wild. That's wild. And so... Um, Puig and his mom are sued in Miami for 12 million bucks by this guy. He must have gotten out somehow. Uh, and so there's apparently there's like an international torture victim program where this guy said that Puig and his mom were violating because, I mean, the guy who spent seven years in a Cuban prison for trying to extradite somebody to the United States to play pro, pro baseball. Uh-huh. And I don't know what goes on in a Cuban prison, but... With the with, I can assume from what he was charging Puig or suing Puig for, there might be torture involved. Perhaps I don't know. I don't know. So um, okay. So here we go. So Pacheco owns two companies in Miami. One is uh, an AC company. One's a recycling company, and he's he's a felon. He stole an AC unit. So the story of when he stole an AC unit, he hits up his buddy and was like, "Okay, we're gonna switch out this this uh, these people's AC unit." And he's like, "Okay," and they show up to the house, and he breaks out some bolt cutters and he turns to jack all their stuff to sell it off for parts. So he gets arrested for that. Uh, he spent 150 bucks with a fraudulent card to buy booze to buy a bunch of beers. Uh-huh. Uh, they caught him for that because he was still on probation for something else and they searched his stuff he had four other fake cards with a fake id so yeah anyway um one of one of the the people that puig was was being smuggled with there was the boxer the pinup girl the santa the santeria priest so the boxer and puig were in these athletic camps growing up the schools that they would set him up with you know the perfection camp and all that sort of development uh-huh. thing so the boxer and him knew each other through that uh, his name was junior despiange d-s-p-i-a-g-n-e uh-huh. despiagene how do you say that um, you want to see? Junior Despiange. Yeah, I guess that's what I said. It just feels weird. I've never heard of some of these. I don't know, like, they I mean, speak a different dialect of Spanish in Cuba, it must, because. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like I am Hispanic, but I. I've never uh, heard these names before. Tr- trust me, and Caribbean Spanish is totally different than Mexican. Way Spanish. different, right? There's a little French mixed in there, or something like that, or that's I don't know what's going on. That's probably more Dominican since they're they're closer to Haiti. Oh, uh, true, true. But anyway, continue. Yeah, man. So, um, so so the boxer connected Puig, Puig to uh, Pacheco. 
that's who that's who they uh, they linked up with, and that's why Puig felt confident in Pacheco making this deal. Uh, the boxer Junior uh, was basically like, "Hey man, you got nothing to lose." The Cuban government's not letting you play baseball here, and when they were, you're making 17 bucks a month. Uh-huh. What are you gonna do? You're gonna go waste away on the sugarcane fields? Like, no. That's what we're, we're gonna we're gonna like. We should just try to make a run for it. But since Puig knew him since he was a kid, he's like, all right, I trust this guy. Let's see what's going on. So, Puig gets linked up with these smugglers. So here's a little bit of a background on the smugglers, right? So we have <laughs> smuggler number one, the captain. His name is Yandri Leon, Leo for short. Uh-huh. Uh, he went to rural Florida. Uh, he extorted 40K from some immigrants in, the, in a similar situation, was caught for it, and now he's on the lam, fugitive. The uh, So he was deemed... The most important capos of Cuban America of the Cuban American mafia. This guy Leo, right? Not smuggler number two, Tomas Velez Valdivia. Toma- Tomasito for short. So he was on Florida's Attorney General's most wanted list for stealing a dump truck. He skipped bail and ran to Cuba. And he would, his job was to repaint and re-register smuggling boats. So he would illegally change the identity of these boats. Smuggler number three was Tomasito's younger brother, Ricardo Velez Valdivia. And they just called him the younger. So earlier in his life, he was... Uh, kidnapped by the Zetas cartel, the Zetas cartel who was the, giving them the right of passage to go to the Yucatan Peninsula, and they cut his finger off. These guys aren't messing around. They all, they, and there were other two names that, um, well, you know what? I'm just going to say it because it was in the article. I hope I don't get flayed for this. That one guy's name was Chinaman and one of the guy's name was Hungarian. Those are the smugglers. All right. I see. I didn't give him the name. <laughs> You ever, you ever seen a... Don't shoot the messenger. You ever see a, the Big Lebowski? Yeah. The Chinaman is not the issue here. <laughs> they, they peed on my carpet, man. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, what's his name's character is so funny in that movie. John Goodman? Yeah, John Goodman's hilarious. That's Rosh Hashanah. I can't do anything for work. You're not Jewish. Oh, you're con- Jewish. He converted. He converted. <laughs> That's the thing, though. Like, Okay, a little sidebar. People who convert to a religion are experts at that dang religion. Yeah. Yeah, I was born and raised a Catholic. Like, I know the basics, you know, but if I were to be a born-again Christian, I would have to study the Bible at an adult age. You know what I mean? And then you have to, like, take, I don't know what you have to do, but these rites of passage when you're an adult Uh is stuff that you consciously make the moves to do and you actually read on it and stuff like that. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, if he... That's what's funny about that is, like, yeah, he wasn't born Jewish, but if he converted to Judaism as an adult... Probably knows no, a lot about Judaism, no. a lot more than I know about Catholicism. That's for dang sure. No, his uh, in the movie, his wife was Jew, Jewish. Yeah, and he had to convert. Yeah, but like he he's not with the wife anymore. But then that's yeah. the whole point. The dude is like, bro, you're not even Jewish. Yes, I am. It's Rosh Hashanah. I can't do anything that day. It's against my. And it was so funny. And he's like, hey, we should go to those In and Out burgers. Those are good burgers. Shut up, Donnie. <laughs> he didn't say it like that, but you know. And then the part when, you know, he's breaking the guy's car. Do you see what happens when you... Stranger in the... You know? What does that have to do with him converting to Judaism? It's just a funny movie. <laughs> I just love John Goodman. I just mentioned my favorite Goodman. It is, it is a funny movie. I do like... I actually, had to, I actually had to watch that movie for an assignment this semester. It's pretty good. Uh, okay, so they get to the Yucatan Peninsula, and they're holed up in a, in a hotel by the smugglers until they get their money. So Yasiel Puig, future runner-up of Rookie of the Year, is holed up at a, at a hotel. So with each day that passes that they don't get their money, they increase they increase the payment 15 to 20 grand. It eventually climbs to 400k. And um, so they go to so there's there's they're held up for three weeks at the in the hotel. And the uh, the smugglers decide, hey, we're going to try to auction auction Puig off. 
So they call this dude in LA named Gus Dominguez to buy Puig for seven seven hundred fifty thousand bucks, and they keep upping the the ante. They call this dude New York. They are, they his name is Joe Kahoskis. Sounds like a Polish name. Not too sure. And they they offer they're like okay give us two hundred fifty k and that climbs up to five hundred k real quick. Pacheco catches wind of this and he realizes that his operation is at risk so he hits up some other financiers to get some money they hire fixers these fixers storm the motel kidnap Puig and within a few days Puig is auditioning Mexico Mexico City for some baseball teams Mike Brito Dodgers scout Cuban former Cuban or you know expat Cuban guy um, Dodgers scout catches wind of this because his brother still lived in Cuba and he told him about it and he sent Logan White, which was like the, to go sign Puig. He was the VP of international player operations for the Dodgers back in the day. Uh-huh. Jaime Torres, who was a famous, uh, who was a favorite agent for uh, Cuban defectors in Mexico, is now representing Puig. Okay, so Puig is then offered a seven-year, four hundred or forty-two million dollar deal, four days before a spending cap is established, a two point nine million dollar spending cap. Damn. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's a lot that's a lot less money than what they gave that one dude. Yeah. Yeah. Forty two mil compared to two point nine. Pretty crazy. So after he signs, so he does quote, he does everything full speed, everything hard, everything with exuberance. I tried to keep him out of trouble, but it wasn't always easy. He was saying, Yes, 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 and I was saying, No, no, no. That's this dude that they link. So, so they so after Fuig signs this deal, the Dodgers send him to Arizona to play in some rookie league, and they had this guy that was supposed to ease the transition, and his name was Tim Bravo. He was a I don't know how they he was a, a wrestling coach. Uh-huh. Seems fairly random. But they're like, hey, we're gonna get this wrestling coach to try to make sure Fuig doesn't go crazy over here because you know he has a reputation of partying, he has a reputation of stealing sneakers or whatever. Right? They just want to make sure this dude is not like getting arrested when he, when he shows up and his title is director of cultural assimilation which sounds terrible but whatever yeah anyway we comes it comes to arizona and he finds the three stooges on tv loves it watched it for hours on end which is like super random he would go to denny's at all, all hours of the day every day eating steak and eggs absolutely love denny's which I brought up to Beto earlier about this whole Denny's thing. It's like, we think of Denny's as like this total random spot where you're just like, I just go there when I'm drunk. But if you think about it, it's kind of cool. It's a cool concept, I guess, especially if you're Puig. He also, that's not it though. He learned English. He learned tipping. Mm-hmm. Another thing we gave it, how to work an ATM. And apparently the, the gas pumps are different in Cuba than they are in the United States. Also, he might not have been really been driving. Oh, that's another side side story. Also, and Bravo actually taught him how to drive with his rental car. That's funny. Which is not legal. That's <laughs> but not what he's supposed to do. <laughs> no, 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 you're supposed to do. Don't do that, everyone. Do not do that. Do not teach someone how to drive with a rental car. Okay, so June third, twenty thirteen, Puig debuts, and this is going this is going verbatim from the article because I thought it was so good. So Puig started the game against the San Diego Padres with a bloop single. He ended the game with a bazooka worthy throw that double it up a runner at first which is rare that you double up a runner first from the outfield the next day he homered twice two days later he slugged a grand slam by the end of the month by the end of the month Puig amassed 44 hits a debut topped only by the Joe DiMaggio instantly the rookie was a diva and a rock star the machinery of fame and fandom non-existent in Cuba scrutinizing every foible and flourish foible and flourish whether it was a fruitless slide after a walk-off home run or a boys night out at the playboy mansion during the all-star break Puig had triggered something akin to a referendum on what it means to respect the national pastime. No moment symbolized the spectacle more than his Game 3 blast in the National League Championship Series against St. Louis. Having flipped his bat and trotted in triumph toward first, he suddenly realized that the ball had hit the fence and he needed to sprint. And even then, he made it a third. (laughs) With time for a bunny hop. Quote, he must think he's still playing somewhere else, and irks Carlos Beltran, the Cardinals veteran, said after the game. Puig came in, and he's like, I'm going to be me for being me's sake. I love that. There you go. Yeah. 
so he um, so he so just like a little just a little like winding down he threw BP at a at a northeast uh, LA Little League after signing out autographs for about an hour but he avoided the media and at the time people didn't really understand that but now with this story in hindsight we do kind of get it you know so the smugglers didn't stop asking for their money so in the summer of 2012 henchman went to uh, the boxer Despi Despinage about payment he was living in Miami and he opened up a Santeria shop Mm -hmm. Uh, they threatened him with a gun they also threatened his mother by saying that they were going to burn down his house uh, Puig's house and his mom's house Uh, this is the boxer's mom they threatened the boxer's mom supposedly Puig already paid 1.3 million bucks to four people those were that was Pacheco and three of his associates right one of the associates Gilbert Suarez Uh said that he took care of the problem in Mexico all right and later showed Pacheco a newspaper clipping that Leo was executed in Mexico with 17 bullet wounds and many of them coming through the back which indicated that they wanted to hunt him wow a lot pretty crazy so now now Puig uh, understandably he didn't have the career that he was hoping for and what a lot of people expected he's now playing in in Korea he's been accused of like gambling and stuff Um, yeah Puig has had a checkered career and past but I'll tell you what when he came into the league I was team Puig I wanted him to succeed because that kind of passion that he played and the entertainment that he brought to the game was just a refreshing shot to the arm. It was a B12 shot to the arm for the league, and it was a flash in the pan. It didn't last for long. and um, Which is why I wish they would have had more success during the Don Manley uh, era of the Dodgers. Yeah, and well, the thing was, like, they could, like, I fully believe if Puig wasn't dealing with this, he could have focused more on his professional career uh-huh. and actually made something of himself. You know, like it's it's just difficult when you got cartels breathing down your back, that your handlers, your financial handlers aren't paying them. A lot of this stuff was out of his control. Yeah, like you're the professional organization you're with can't do anything about that. You know, you can't. These these people function outside the boundaries of society, bro. Uh-huh. You can't tell somebody that's cutting off fingers, executing people with 17 bullets, many of them in the back. To play by the rules that's just not gonna fly i mean you know so by the way Puig was loved to race too he loved to race his car he had a couple tickets quite a few tickets for speeding most notably 110 miles an hour uh-huh. which is pretty pretty sweet i had 120 ones allegedly right no well whatever you can it happened like 14 years ago <laughs> Incriminating yourself, man. Can't do that. Oh, there's a statute of limitations, bro. I want 120 in my my ex girlfriend's Mercedes that her grandma gave her. Damn. Yeah, it was awesome. Her grandma gave her. That's yeah. Awesome. That's a, that's a good money, bro. Why why is she an ex now? <laughs> well, this is a sports <laughs> podcast, my brother. Looks like we're running out of time here, so. Yeah. So that's for another time. But that um, might that might be a hike talk repeat. Not. Nah! <laughs> Y'all ain't getting nothing out of me. All right, so for this next uh, upcoming segment, we're going to talk about the NFL draft that's happened this past weekend. We're going to talk about some upsets in the, in the hockey world and some expectations from the NBA as the Warriors came back to 4-3 to three in beating the Sacramento Kings. And the late- Record 50, 50 points in the game from, yes, Steph, from Curry, Steph, Steph Curry. Chef Curry. And we're going to talk about my state of the Raiders and why I think this regime may be on the hot seat by midseason. Not end of the season, midseason. So enjoy this break. Get a grab a drink of water as my as my good friend Daniel has a Topo Chico that looks like a bottle of vodka, but it's not. It's just sparkling water. It's just uh, silver. Oh, no, it's just water, my bad. Yeah. No, this, is, this isn't even sparkling water. This bottle's like three weeks old. Damn. I just keep refilling it. And everybody, oh, okay. thinks, I'm, everybody thinks I'm getting wasted. <laughs> He's getting wasted. Hey, you got a chaser? All right. We'll be back <laughs> in five minutes.
and um, Crooklyn's finest. Playboys behind us. Mm. To give you what you need. Not five. <laughs> Ready to die, mother. <laughs> that was Who Shot Ya. Uh, speaking about New York. And Fantastic that, album. The What with Method Man off that is really good. Yeah, and that and that Brooklyn. Sh- <laughs> uh, the Nets got swept by the by the Sixers, as we know. Um, let's get a little rundown of the NBA of the NBA so far. Uh, so the Knicks. No, the Knicks. Uh, the Nets just got swept. Yeah. Looked like they had no fight, no fight in them. They had no chance. No, the, the only mean, they chance they had was two game superstars. three. It's probably game three for me, and they lost it at the game at the fourth quarter. So Philadelphia is going against the Celtics right now, and uh, they haven't played yet, right? No, tonight's game one. Tonight's game one. Uh, Four thirty tonight for the East Coast this afternoon for us. All right, so the Nuggets. Obviously, we beat the Timberwolves. That was not, it was four one. That was not gonna go go more farther than that. Um, yeah. uh, they, they they made it a gentleman series. They did. Yes. Same and, with the and like, Suns. I'll give I'll give Anthony Edwards a lot of credit. Uh, they really messed up in picking up Rudy Gobert. Yeah, and then that was a terrible move. And then the 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 Suns beat the Lakers. Not the Lakers. The Clippers. The other LA team. That mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Four to one. The they Clippers. lost game one too. Yeah, to, to Denver. No, uh, the Clippers beat the Suns game one. No, well, I think didn't didn't Denver and, and the Suns play this weekend? Yeah, in Denver one, right? Yeah, Denver one. Yeah, but uh, just to review that the past round one, because uh, last time we were talking, uh, a lot of the games were going on round one still. Oh, uh, okay. So the the Suns beat the brakes off the Clippers. There was no chance at that point. Besides game one. Uh, the Sacramento Kings had a good fight with the Warriors, but experience got the best of, of them in that series. And yeah, they crumbled. They crumbled. It's, it really seemed like they just were overwhelmed by the moment. And, I mean, yeah. Steph Curry set a record for Game 7. Yeah, 50 points. He put, a, he put up a 50-burger on them, and it's like, you know, the the it would have been nice to see the Kings move on. Yeah. But to see the Lakers lose... We, you know, that the Warriors need to be in this series. Yeah, <laughs> they're not gonna lose. The Lakers would have ran through uh, the Kings. No, I think yeah. they would have. Especially watching that game, like, dude, Kevon Looney looked like Wilt Chamberlain out there, bro. Uh-huh. It was insane. Or maybe Dennis Rodman. Probably more of a Dennis Rodman because they don't, I don't think he put up more than 15 points or something. But he, the dude was. I don't know what his numbers were, but he had 20 rebounds two games ago, and he had. He had at least seven offensive rebounds last game. It was a joke. There was a stretch in that uh, yesterday where it was like, dude, you got to be kidding me. Like, Sabonis, I thought Sabonis, you know, was a walking duck. I thought he could evenly match Kevon Looney, Uh but he just fell apart. He was trying to face guard him. He's trying to box him out facing up, but he he needed to put his butt on his hip and not his front hip to his hip. You know what I mean? He's doing like blocking like a football wide receiver instead uh-huh. of boxing out like a regular basketball player. Yeah. So, like every time too. So now the uh, and now the Lakers beat the Grizzlies 4-2 uh, yep. in a game 6 Vill- Villain Brooks. Yep. Beat Villain Brooks. Villain Brooks, bro. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> what? A, I mean, come on, bro. If you're going to play heel, play heel. Yeah, if you're going to talk trash, you know, do it. Yeah. You know, talk like, it and back it up, but you didn't. Yeah, exactly. At least face the media, man. That's the thing. Like you can, you can. He got embarrassed and he got. Well, this is. He got lost in his own head. Yeah. First, first he thought he was bigger than he was, and then he realized he stepped in it and he tried to hide. It's like, like, bro, yeah. you are an NBA basketball player. There's no hiding. No, it's not. There's and, no hiding. And remember, like, I think there was like one moment where LeBron was like, "You're not me." You're not me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you'll never be Braun, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, not even close. That's the thing. Like, okay, so if you want to be Draymond Green, talking uh-huh. to Dylan Brooks, if you want to be Draymond Green, own it. Yeah. There, there, hey, there be is. The villain. Yeah, no, there's a spot for you in the NBA. You know, but you're going to be like Draymond. You're going to be like Pat Bev. You know, you're going to be like one of those level guys if you're relying on talking and not necessarily all your skill. Like Draymond Green, he does he pulls out some really great plays every once in a while, and he is key to that Warriors lineup. You know, like this is this. <laughs> um, 
So Steph Curry, I was looking at like a little highlight thing on the NBA app, and Steph Curry yells to the crowd, "Light the beam!" Uh huh. So he's trolling that crowd, right? Ste- the only reason Ste- people like still like Steph Curry, even though he does stuff like this, is because they hate Draymond Green so much more. Yeah. And in all honesty, even though Steph Curry will cook you for fifty in a game seven. That team isn't scary without Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. You got Clay and Steph that kind of chirp at you a little bit, but Draymond's going to put you, put your butt on the floor. Exactly. And he just didn't do it. Dylan Brooks didn't do it. And no way. And owned up to it. And I think um, this is a uh, to me as a Lakers fan, this is overachieving at this point. The way the way though the Lakers what started off like two and thirteen to begin the season, something like that, just losing double digit. Uh, I already have double digit losses by like two months in. Mm. You know that's not good. I think at first they were like zero and four mm. to start the season, and now that they won a series, they won they won the play in and they won a series. I still want them to beat the Warriors, which I think they have a chance, but as realistically, I don't think they will, just because. I don't know. We'll see. But I think this, regardless, this is a success. Mm. To start I don't know, off, man. to start off, you start off two and thirteen. You had like one percent chance of making the playoffs. You got in the play. I don't think LeBron's saying this is success. That's not. At least for me, as a Laker fan. Okay. As okay. a Laker fan, and just the way I've seen this team for the past two years, mm-hmm. especially you know when they when they went against the Suns in that 2021 2022 uh, playoff run, and it was just it looked like they just kind of gave up, and like the rest of the games, and now it's like okay they beat Memphis, if they make it a series with the Warriors, like they go to Game Seven and they lose, I'll be like oh okay you know it sucks, but you know. They got. They put them to Game Seven and they got them on their heels. You know. You see, if like it's a, if it's a four nothing like sweep from the Warriors to the Lakers, now that's a failure. Yeah. At least make it a four one. You know. At least at least make it like you win three games. But like I, I don't mind rooting for the Lakers. But see the way the way I see it is, I. It's hard for me to say being a Celtics fan. It's hard for me to say that. Um, and I feel like Lakers have had the same mentality as if it, you know it's championship or bust. Yeah. And uh, like like the past four or five years, Celtics haven't been winning championships, but because they have such a young core and they've been building to that, and they finally made it to the finals, like you could say that those are successes in within the the path to get to your final goal, right? Okay, so let's flip this around. If Memphis beat LA. Then they would say that that was a success. Yeah, cause that's because they're Memphis. Yeah, the Lakers put up championship banners. Yeah, like the Celtics aren't putting up Eastern Conference championship banners. They're not. It's championship banners, NBA Finals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. I le- but you- the thing is, like with LeBron's advanced age. Obviously and and Anthony Davis's injury history, I don't know what the shelf life is on this squad. So I think they do need to win this year. I mean, definitely, I think this is the year where it's like, if this squad's going to do it, you got to do it now because I just don't think the... um there's no like rookies. There's no like way to draft because you gave up all your draft picks for for AD. Gave them all up. I mean, you have a couple young guys like D'Lo is what 25, 26. Or something. Yeah, D'Lo's coming up. I don't know how old that guy is, he's, but he's, he's not that old. Yeah, he's, he's he's gonna be good. He's been good. I think I think that's a trade of the uh, the season to be honest. Yeah, that and honestly, and honestly, man, I'm like, I'm a big believer in building teams and not just grabbing a bunch of names. So when they got rid of Russ, they got they got uh, Jared Vanderbilt and they got uh, Rui Hachimura. Uh-huh. Um, and then also that allowed Austin Reeves to step up and yeah. get get more attention and play time. Mm-hmm. So that like Austin Reeves, you're not thinking like, oh man, Austin Reeves, what a baller. But when he gets in his groove, he gets in his groove. He's like a you know like a Tyler Hero comp or something like that. Uh-huh. You know, like he, he can get in his runs. He's actually a really solid up above average MLB MLB NBA player. Uh-huh. And that's what that's what you need. You know what I mean? Like back to the Celtics, Danny Ainge ruined this team. By busting up, like getting rid of all these draft picks and all this, all these pretty good role players to pick up guys like Kyrie and Kemba Walker, um, Gordon Hayward. Although he was a really good fit, the guy was on and off the roster just as much as Anthony, probably more than Anthony Davis, uh-huh. and he's not as great as Anthony Davis. So, um, 
Yeah, once the Celtics realized they needed to get some 3 and D guys, pick Al Horford back up. You know, they got the biggest so like compare to compare this to the Lakers, the biggest pickups that Celtics have had in the past two seasons were Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. Those guys are nobodies. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They fit this system perfectly. And that's what makes a good GM. Yeah. Back to the Raiders, man. They picked up Chandler Jones. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, he he everybody was talking about him. Pause on that real quick. But he's not. He but right. He wasn't a good fit. He's you needed not. to get somebody else. It's not yeah. just the name you chase he after. Producing. He wasn't producing. He's no. Producing. They probably should have gotten. Uh, not. They already had an edge rusher. They should have drafted just one. Drafted, but they already. I mean, they already had one. Did they need that position? Yes, because they could have gotten a defensive tackle. Or, to. You know what I mean? It didn't necessarily just have to be like this guy plays defensive line. A lot of people are talking. That season, that last season, he was in Arizona. It's like they were ready to put him in the Hall of Fame. And he had like two good games. What was it, right? Yeah, it was one game he had six sacks, and the second game was like three. Yeah, he had nine sacks to begin with for the first eight seasons, but he fell off. So you can't you season. can't blind yourself with that kind of stuff, man. Mm-hmm. That's my point. And that's what Danny Ainge did. And it basically ruined the team. That's what lost him his job. And now he's trying to do the same thing in in, um, in Utah. And Utah, like, they were trying to lose, and he was mad that they were winning. It's uh-huh. like, bro, build from that core. Simple. I like how you had the, the bottle in your hand. Hey, give it to <laughs> Topa Chico. You look like one of those angry Boston fans now. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I should have put on this. The, is, this is not Seagrams. This is Topo Chico. It's just it's water. Chico. It's, it's from the faucet. Yeah, it's uh, not even carbonated. You know what I should. Although put, I do like me some t- carbonated Topo Chico. I, I should have put on the on the part of the music a uh, Sweet Caroline, just for you. Yeah, my buddy actually went to a Red Sox game last week. Uh, Doogie, my boy Verdugo, LA fan. Sorry, we got him. But you guys got Mookie for him, so, I mean, whatever. Um, he's been killing it this year, dude. He's had a few walk-offs. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, he had a walk-off single the other day. He had a walk-off double a couple weeks ago. He definitely hit a home run yesterday. Yeah, he's killing it. I love myself some Verdugo. Right. Doogie for short. All right, and so to <laughs> wrap up the NBA, uh, Miami Heat beat the Bucks. Uh, then the Knicks beat the Cavs. We already talked about the Sixers beating the Nets, sweeping the Nets. And then we, obviously the Celtics beat the Hawks. And now so we have a matchup with Denver versus the Suns, the Warriors versus Lakers, the Heat versus the Knicks, and the Sixers versus the Celtics. Just a quick uh, four-minute offense because uh, we are running out of time here, and I do want to talk about NHL. So who are your picks for NHL? For NBA. Oh, I was about to say, you know I don't watch that. <laughs> I know, I know. For the, for the NBA. Well, I'm going I'm going, um, I'm going. going Warriors over Lakers, Celtics over Sixers. Um, it's, you know what, dude? Denver looks really good game one. I think Phoenix is favored tonight. Ah, Phoenix is good. I just think they tried to put it together too late. I'm going Denver over Phoenix. I, I'm, I'm, I think that, that Jokic, with the help of Jamal Murray and stuff, a fully healthy Jamal Murray, I'll go Denver. Yeah, right. yeah, I'll go Denver. And then the Miami and, and New York series is really tough for me to choose because they both have injuries. They both aren't, like, premier teams in my eyes. Um stuff I'll go with I'll go with New York all right don't ask me why okay. that's just a, that's a coin flip for me I'm gonna go with New York just because the city's behind them uh-huh. and they're just crazy so yeah for me as <laughs> what my, are you doing yeah that's my bias obviously Lakers over Warriors but my uh brain tells me probably Warriors are gonna beat the Lakers it's, it's t- like after watching the Warriors yesterday mm-hmm. it's like man those guys are ready to win another one yeah and then uh Denver versus Phoenix I say Denver probably wins it out mm-hmm. um I think Miami and Knicks probably the Knicks just because I think it's what uh, Jimmy Buckets is injured. Yeah, and they, and supposedly he was a decoy yesterday. Okay, and then if he's not uh, good to go, then they not they don't win anything. Mm-hmm. And then probably Celtics over the Sixers, so you can get your hundred. Right, bucks. and if like if Randall's banged up, they got yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> credits. Yeah, <laughs> so that would be that would be if the Lakers. Don't make it as if the Celtics make it further than the Lakers, 
That's one bill for me, uh-huh. Jason. And then <laughs> Jason Tatum. <laughs> no, 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 no. And then uh, I'm the Sixers losing to the Celtics in that series. That's my boy Julio, and uh, that's my hundred bucks also. Yeah, <laughs> coming for you. All right. So nah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's really tricky. Like James Harden's playing the best basketball of his life, um, but if Embiid's banged up. Uh-huh. That he's the MB- in my eyes. I don't know. They haven't come out with it yet, but in my eyes, he's the league MVP this year. I see. So if he's so, out, the Sixers are out. So anyway, just to wrap up hockey real quick, because I do need a couple of minutes for the draft and the state of the Raiders. So for the NHL, the Golden Knights just whooped the the Winnipeg Jets four to one. Uh, the Oilers beat my LA Kings four to two in the game six. Uh, the Seattle Kraken beat the reigning champions, Colorado Avalanche. Mm. And the Seattle Kraken, this is their first uh, playoff series win in franchise history. Cause it's like they were, their second second year, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Uh-huh. So so uh, they apparently they like traded their whole team. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Smart, man. You, know, you shouldn't like that. Like if you think about it, don't just sit on that. Mm-hmm. Whatever, however, like makeshift way they put that team together. Yeah. So then the Seattle beat the Avalanche in Game Seven. Uh, Dallas Stars beat the Minnesota Wild four to two. Uh, Boston Bruins lost to the Florida Panthers. Which, by the way, the Florida Panthers are one of the last teams to qualify for the playoffs. <laughs> the last teams. That was terrible yesterday, man. They were, I was watching that game. It was pretty bad. In uh, in hockey, it's. I think it's the first three teams of each division and then two wildcard teams. Mm. So the Florida Panthers were literally the last wildcard team in the Eastern Conference. Wow. And they beat the best team in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Bruins. They, they, uh, during the game yesterday, they said they set a record. Those teams set a record for um, goals in the third period for, yeah. for a series. It was like 26 uh-huh. or something like that. So then the Maple Leafs finally got rid of their curse of losing to um, winner, winner go home situation. Mm. Or if, uh, not winner go home situations, uh, games where they could win out the series. Mm-hmm. Since 2004, they hadn't won a playoff series. So uh-huh. now they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, which are the reigning uh, Stanley Cup runner ups because okay. they did win the Eastern Conference last year. Eastern Conference champs. Yeah. And then the Carolina Hurricanes beat the New York Islanders. And the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers are having a game seven tonight, which I think the Devils are going to take it. And for me, this is really interesting because the two teams that I thought was probably going to fight for that Stanley Cup was the Avalanche, the Lightning, and the Bruins. Sorry, I meant three. Because those are the three teams that I say are Stanley Cup. Either they won the Stanley Cup or won the Stanley Cup or just had the best uh, record overall. All three three of those teams are gone. Oh, damn. It's kind of like the March Madness where it's like, what the heck? And I kind of like it because now it's like we can see teams that haven't won it before. Mm. So we got mm-hmm. the Knights, the Oilers, who haven't, who haven't, the Oilers haven't won a championships in the '90s. The Knights haven't won a championship ever because they're a new team. Uh, Seattle Kraken hasn't won a championship because you know they're a new team. Yeah. The Dallas Stars haven't won a championship since. I don't remember, but they, it's not. It hasn't been this decade. It hasn't been this past. Hey, real quick, decade. did they? Did the NFL? Did the NHL have an odd number of teams, or do they have an odd number of teams? They don't. So they just added one team. Yes, I believe. So they used to have an odd number of teams. Yes, it was thirty-one. Weird. Yeah, and it's now thirty-two. Oh, okay. Regardless. Yeah. Um. The, then the Panthers haven't won. I don't think they haven't won a Stanley Cup. The Maple Leafs haven't won a, a Stanley Cup since like the 60s or 50s, like something. Yeah, they still think they're won. the bee's knees, don't they? Yeah. Hurricanes haven't won a Stanley Cup since I believe the early 2000s. And then the New Jersey Devils haven't won a Stanley Cup since the early 2000s as well. So like a lot of these teams haven't won, or not the New Jersey Devils or the Rangers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they still haven't been decided. But regardless, a lot of these teams haven't won Stanley Cups in a while. So we might have a new championship a champion that hasn't won in a long time cool so my picks the uh, the the hurricanes former the connecticut heart the hartford connecticut whalers they were they were that's, that's <laughs> uh just uh for my picks i believe the i think the oilers are going to beat the knights i think dallas beats seattle so I think it's going to be Dallas and the Oilers in the semifinals. So just a game before the Stanley Cup. 
Uh, I believe the Panthers and the Leaves. I think the Leaves are going to beat the Panthers. I think the Leaves are just like riding off emotion right now, and like you know they're confident. Uh, Hurricanes versus Jer- uh, Devils or Rangers. Um, I think the Hurricanes, regardless, winning. So I think it's going to be Hurricanes, Maple Leaves as the semifinals, and. I'm going to go probably a, a Canadian final, Edmonton and the Maple Leafs. Wow, eh? Yeah, eh? eh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so now that we're done with that, let's go to the state of the Raiders or what happened this past draft. Big day! The pick is in. With the first pick in the 22 West NFL draft, 22 West Media selects Daniel McMahon. <laughs> LBCC. I just like to thank my mom and my dad. <laughs> Wait, well, that was the pick and uh, the reach. I don't know why, but I just gave Roger Goodell a hug. Uh. <laughs> Wait, they picked Daniel McMahon. He was not on my board just because he had a good forty. What is this? That's a classic Al Davis pick. I had a great forty, man. Yeah, yeah. I've been working on my forty. Oh yeah, my vertical. I have like a forty-seven inch vertical, man. Okay, so four two forty. So my I'm also six four. Yeah, two twenty. Right. Don't yeah. look at me. I just believe me. Yeah, uh, right. and I'm also the the second coming of LeBron. Yeah, physically. Physically. Right. Yeah, you're only six seven, two seventy, but you're you know. Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Pretty close. Yeah. Anyway, so wrap up this last. Can't five jump minutes. though. No, I'm just kidding. Great footwork. Yeah. Wrap up these last five minutes on the draft. I think the draft was a really interesting draft because a lot of the well, granted, the thing about the draft is such a no one can ever predict it because I know Bud Light once had this thing that predict the entire NFL draft and you win a free case of like beers or some sh- some some like that, some along the lines that you'll win some prize, but no one ever got it right because someone's always overreaching, underreaching, trading back. So you can't really predict the NFL draft as it is. <laughs> the, so, the Lions draft some random running back in the first round? I, I thought that was a dumb pick. You're like, what? Um, <laughs> I thought the rest of their picks were pretty good. I thought... I like what the Texans did to, like, you know what? Let's get the best offensive weapon in C.J. Stroud and the best uh, defensive player in Will Anderson. It's kind of crazy to me how many people are talking a bunch of smack on uh, Bryce Young now. Yeah, it, okay. It's like all of a sudden the draft happens, you're like, oh, the, uh, he's too fragile. It's like, whoa, dude. No, he's like, not. He's he's the best quarterback in the class. He's the best quarterback. And, he's, so, and yeah. he's from Martyr Day, Santa Ana. That's right. Yeah, it's a local boy. That's right. But uh, to continue on, um, I think this draft was really interesting because a lot of players that were supposed to go in the first round didn't. Like Brian Branch, Joey Porter the second. I thought those were players that were going to be taken off the board within the 15 picks. Because I did a bunch of mock drafts during uh, my English class. Sorry, Professor Lockley. Yeah. But um, I do a bunch of these mock drafts, and Brian Branch was always taken around the, the 10th or 12th pick. Joey Porter was taken around the 7th or 8th pick. And Will McDonald the 4th, who was, a, to me, he's a second rounder, was picked up by the Jets. And I thought that was a really head scratcher, to be honest. Um, I thought the Lions getting a running back from Alabama was a head scratcher as well because, like, what are you doing? Uh, you don't draft a running back in the first round ever at this point. Bijan, um, though, supposedly this guy Bijan Robinson's the, the real deal. Like, yeah. I, but one of the one of the exceptions that this is because that is kind of an established uh-huh. rule, yeah. which the Lions broke because they didn't get Bijan Robinson. Yeah. But I also think uh, that pick for Atlanta was weird because I don't think they have a need at running back. Mm. I don't think any team has a need of running back. Yeah, but he's like, I, supposedly they rebranded him as an offensive weapon. So if you think of him like a, like a Kamara or something like that. I where it's like Because so. Kamara has an extended career somewhat. It's not like he's... Yeah, uh, so yeah, this, uh, just to wrap up, uh, at least for the Raiders and the draft-wise, um... I think this is a good draft. I think this is the best draft the Raiders have had in the past couple of years. But to be honest, I'm not sold be just because a lot of these picks that the Raiders had were positions they created. They, they were calls that they created themselves. And what I mean by this is... This this goes back to the John Gruen arrow missing all those picks. This goes man, this even goes back to Reggie McKenzie. This is 2014, 2015. All these missed draft picks is like led up to this because you don't draft Tyree Wilson if you already had Cleveland Farrell who was a right end or defensive end. If he panned out, you're not drafting Tyree Wilson. If Chandler Jones, the free agent, panned out, you're not drafting Tyree Wilson. 
Uh, to me, Jalen Carter was the pick, but the whole Henry Rugg situation and Jalen Carter getting pulled over for a DUI, you can't risk that. I understand that, and, it, and I hate it. But... I think the, the draft was really good for the Raiders. Uh, I don't understand Aiden O'Connell from the Boilermakers from Purdue. I think that was a really big head scratcher. And one of the biggest issues I have with this team is that, or this regime is that the 2019, the 2021 offseason, which is the 2022 year when they got Devontae Adams and they traded those picks, it was like, we're going all in on our players. We're going to re-sign Derek Carr. We're going to re-sign Hunter Renfro, Waller, and Devontae Adams, and Max Crosby. They don't make the playoffs. They're 6-11. And you give away Derek Carr, which I think that should have been the first thing you did when you got here. And now you're going into this draft and this offseason with just training away Waller. Training almost, you're about to trade away Hunter Renfro, too, because I have heard a lot of talks that they want to trade him away. And now it's like we don't have a franchise quarterback. We have Jimmy G, but Jimmy G is not a franchise quarterback. He's a bridge QB. He's a bridge QB. You didn't pick up a solid quarterback at a, in the draft. And do not tell me Aiden O'Connell is going to be that guy because he's not – I don't think he's going to be that guy unless he's like the second coming of Brady, which I don't know. But I just think this, this, this regime is really interesting. And one of the biggest things I have against this regime is that Mark Davis, again, hones in one one person, doesn't do a real search. And again, this when he hired John Gruden, he hired John Gruden, and then John Gruden hired Mike Mayock, the GM. And all those bad draft picks started happening. So whose fault was that? Mark Davis and entrusting someone to have a buddy-buddy system. And this is literally the exact same thing with a Josh McDaniels, how Dave Ziegler is the general manager of the Raiders, but has a connection with Josh McDaniels since New England. So Mark Davis honed in on, oh, the Patriot way, I want, I want some of that. And now we have Dave Ziegler in our uh, Raiders position. But now... I'm interested to see how this uh, this offseason goes and this season goes because I'm giving to midseason. If they're one and six, uh, you got to go Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. But they're like five and four. Maybe we can flirt with that. But that is the ending of our show. Thank you for joining us for this semester. I've been thank Beth you. All right, love you. See y'all.